0: Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. It's all about how you can become a more effective, more powerful coach. And today I'm going to be speaking with Richard strozzi Heckler, who has been in the field of coaching personal transformation now for over four decades. He's developed this beautiful somatic coaching methodology. It's it's really exquisite. Uh, He's worked with the Navy SEALs. He's worked with the, the US government. He's worked with Fortune 500 CEOs, um, uh, and he, he's a real master coach. But we're not going to be talking about that today. Today, we're going to be talking about coaching from source. And we really explore that, you know, there's, that we, we get our training and our tools as a coach. And those are really great. They're really a, a fantastic foundation. But at some point, they start to get in the way of a deeper conversation and deeper level of coaching that that need to get things uh, right the need to get somewhere or to use our tools they create a barrier to this this deeper level of, of dropping into an immediacy and an intimacy with our clients. So in this session today Rich is going to share about how he does that how does he how does he prepare himself to enter this powerful space like what kind of practices does he do? And he's going to share about how does he start to sense into his clients in a way that gives him powerful information beyond purely the, the, the rational and the emotional and, and, and physical sensational level. He can tune into a deeper level of information that really, um, really supercharges the, the coaching conversation. So it's really, I felt really privileged in this conversation. I thought, that I'm really speaking to, to a master coach here. And he's sharing the intimacy of, of how he coaches.
1: You know, about 12 months ago, uh, I noticed that a lot of people who I was speaking to were pointing towards this place, this, um, this place beyond our training and our uh, methods and our, our, um, even our coaching persona that we could access. Um, uh, And I want to speak to you today about that space. Um, You know, we could use different words to describe it, but um, for me, it's been um, when I've accessed that place, there's almost a kind of surrendering in, a letting go of an outcome of where the coaching might go, um, really meeting in presence, allowing something even to come through our coming together and our connection together. And um, I'm curious um, how this speaks to you, um, and, and yeah, what you would, resp- how you would respond to what I said.
2: Uh, you know, this this idea that um, we we will embody or we will be in touch with something that is what I would call beyond the self, or beyond beyond our rational thinking and our logic has always been, um, very, very compelling to me. And, um, I realize that at some level, the, the teachers that I've sought out, um, in, in retrospect have always um, embodied that, have always lived that and, um, either explicitly pointed to it and taught it or implicitly, um, revealed it through what they were doing. So it's, it's a subject that, um, Uh, has always been uh, keen for me. And there's two things that come up. One is that many, many decades ago, uh, in writing my Ph.D. dissertation, I saw a video, it was was a series, and it was called On Life. And one of these um, series um, had to do with protoplasm. Now, right away, it sounds not so interesting, but it was this notion of a camera uh, looking on a Petri dish, and here was this, you know, piece of protoplasm. And then they put another piece on it, and all of a sudden they began to relate. These two uh, single-cell organisms began to relate, and they started to begin warm up, have motility, and move towards each other. And then, of course, when they touched, it was a little bit of a question like, am I the meal, or are you the meal, you know that notion, but it was a. Uh, um, what struck me was that, of course, we're ninety-eight percent protoplasm. We're very complex beings, but that's the one of the fundamental makeups of, of the human form. And that when these two came to, uh, were were placed in a similar environment, what what wanted to happen was them to come together, and that began in me a whole looking and viewing about human beings and contact and our clarity in contact and our lack of clarity in contact. And what does this mean as a, 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 um, a deep fundamental urge to move towards life, life moving towards life. And, um, We can do that a number of ways, and most of us spend time with a lot of other people. We can be in nature, too. Uh, We can have the sky over our head. But what does it mean as we move move towards life, and how do we join up there in a way in which we can make something bigger than just these individual parts? So that was kind of really the beginning for me in one level of going – Oh, even I can look at science, and science will reveal to me this notion of moving towards other, moving towards life, and once we get together, can we build something that's actually even bigger than that? The other piece, Joel, for me is that um, my experience has revealed to me that uh, we're all actually cut out of the same cloth, That um, once we take these filters down that we call personality, persona, um, a set of competencies or skills or status, and we take those filters away, that the lens of perception open and we begin to see that we're actually not just in concept interconnected, but that we are actually part of this uh, uh, beautiful, elegant web of life together. So inside of that, uh, those things, and in working with people, um, uh, it has always been my intent and research to go, how do we touch into that deep wisdom? We can call it a biological wisdom, a psychobiological wisdom, somatic wisdom, you know, a, a perennial wisdom, that, um, that when we open into that space, that we create openings and possibilities that wouldn't previously been there.
1: A beautiful answer. Um, um, And So tell me, like, maybe for people, um, you know, listening, like we're talking about something pretty big here, and I, I wonder how that shows up for you, you know, as you're sort of working with somebody, as you're sat opposite them, stood opposite them. Um, how how does that kind of um, that space
2: start to start to show up for you? There's there's actually a process that I go through that in which I um, will empty myself. Let me just put it that way. Um, that I will empty myself um, and um, become as open as possible, and that requires that. Um, I allow the world as I would know it and order it to actually collapse. In other words, of course, I come in there as a role. They're compensating me in in contemporary terms through certain kinds of currency um, that they have uh, pieces that they want to work with. They have their forsake of what are their conditions of satisfaction. And I, I will, before I go in there, I will kind of sit with that and then let it all go. And it's an internal process that I, that I do, and that, that allows, um, from my experience, a deeper connection with the person, a deeper listening to them, and it includes the overall ecology, the overall space in which we're existing together as we're sitting there. Mm. Um, and that, that um, practice that I do um, comes from, I think uh having great teachers and great teachers point, pointing ways in which to um connect with this deep knowing, let me just call it a deep knowing that's um, beyond the self, it's beyond our logic, rational mind, etc. and uh that uh it and it takes a a a set of ongoing practices that one does. In other words, when I speak about this or when I teach this um, uh, in our courses, um, I, I really lay the foundation for um, this is accessible to all of us. I would hold that it's in our DNA. Um, I would hold that it's something in the complex system that humans have that we've developed over time where we can feel how we are one with another, feel what we're one with life. And that has to be discovered. In other words, it's not just an idea. It's just not a belief system. It's just not uh, something that I would aspire to. It's actually something that one needs to take on, I would say, long-term practice so that that, we can discover that and then have access to it in a more uh, fluid way. Mm. It's, it's interesting because I, um, I get the sense
1: there's a paradox here that actually, you know, you talk about emptying out that, um, that you, you know, that through this practice, um, there's been an unlearning or an undoing or an opening to some kind of um, experience and sensitizing yourself or, or and letting go of another part of you that may have been perhaps covering up that, that
2: experience. Yeah, and I would say those are those, are those um, social conventions, the, the social procedures and protocols that we both uh, adopt and, and inherit. So it, it's clear for me that when I started working with people, really as a body-oriented psychotherapist um, many years ago uh, and with people that I train now, is that you want to do well, Right. We don't get up in the morning and say, this is a great time to make mistakes with my client. No, we go, I want to do well. And uh, it's a natural part of us. So we might do our homework about who they are, what we do. Um, There's probably some anxiety because you're meeting a stranger and that are putting a lot of faith in you. All, All of those pieces inside of it. And then probably we've been trained in some methodology. And in that methodology, we want to take those steps all perfectly, I think, good and all perfectly along that line, uh, the line of doing well. And it is true that at some point, the requirement is to begin to let all that go. Um, You know, I use the word before, like, in other words, that world that we formed or that world that we disclosed to ourselves. we have to allow that to dissolve or to collapse and to uh, begin to um, go to that particular well, our oasis of that deeper knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what starts to emerge
1: as as that part as we let that part of us go, you know, what do we start to what comes in its place? And I mean, I know you have been speaking about this, but I'd I'd love to kind of like see if we can create more distinctions around. Um, you know, instead of, for instance, looking at th- someone through your training and maps and theories and or maybe even feeling that impulse of like I want to get them somewhere to do well, you know, there's something else there. And, I, and I,
2: yeah. You know, the, in the traditional um, Japanese arts, J- Japanese martial arts, specifically Aikido, which I, I train in, is that there's, there's a word called Kimasubi. Ki musubi. And ki musubi means you tie into the other, your partner's energy. Now, it, uh, that doesn't say much as we're speaking here, but really it points to this notion of sitting into somebody. So, like musubi means not. It means not. And so how do you make a knot between yourself and the other person? Not like bound or overbound, but you become one piece, and what that means is that um, if I be, start to become free of these are the moves I have to make, here's my methodology, and I directly and immediately begin to see, for example, uh, the color of the person's eyes, um, their breath pattern, the feeling of the sensation of my, my, uh, my seat on the seat of the chair, and... Um, uh, uh, what is the rhythm or the, the the sound of their voice the tone of their voice and that that those things those physical components from my view are a, are a doorway into really feeling this field this energetic field that somebody lives in and then from there what are the qualities of that field that they that they begin to exhibit or how they express that through this field so now we, we know in 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 the West that we are um, we live in electromagnetic field, uh, and that electromagnetic field lives in the field of the energy field of the planet, which is gravity. And we know that if we merge, if we align our field with the field of the planet, then we're more. We have a greater partner. That's a great partner to have is the whole planet, and we're not fighting it. It's really the same way in which we do this with another person, is that we begin to allow our attention, energy follows attention, our attention to flow out towards this other person. So it's not a matter of scrutinizing them. It's not a matter of making smaller and smaller distinctions. It's really the, the notion of allowing them a meeting place where we can come together and begin our our work together, our conversations together, our way of interacting together. And at the same time as we do that, uh, we can also learn that um, my energy is flowing out, but it doesn't mean I'm merging with them. It doesn't mean I'm giving up everything that I care about. It doesn't mean that I no longer have a center, and they're the center of things, that we begin to learn that I can be present Open and connected, as a felt sensation, and at the same time be connected to other in a way that there's a unifying principle that becomes to become more and more apparent to us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, these distinctions, like you said, I totally understand that we want to have these these finer and finer distinctions of the, these kinds of things. But it, you know, in some way, it's as simple as. You go out in your front yard or you go to the park or backyard or wherever it is, and there's something there that's living. There's a bush, there's, there's a rose bush, there's a tree, and you can stand in front of it. And as you begin to quiet yourself, you begin to empty yourself, it's possible to feel the life coming from that other, other um, living thing even though it may not be moving, even though it may not be your dog or your cat that can be active, but something that to the common eye is apparently very still. And it's those kind of practices, excuse me, that I believe, which is necessary. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Well, because in a way, you know, that part of me that says, yeah, I want to make some more distinctions. That could be the very like analytical mind, you know, That 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 wants to um, know more theory, or it wants to you know to so that and then I can you know strengthen that part of me and 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 make it work you know, but actually you're talking about a a, a different space you know which is like a relinquishing of that, Um, so so um, and what. Like so I love this description you give you know of like just being with that that tree or the bush, you know, and just sensing or quite emptying out and 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 feeling and then presumably you'll start to feel some ripples or or there'll be a sense of the livingness of that that tree or the or the bush, or if we think of a person, you know, maybe there'll be start to be a sense of them or an imprint of them in some way. I think, too, that
2: the, when we begin to, to engage in ourselves that way, that um, a different level of perception will begin to come to the foreground. So many of us see identically. we see in images or pictures, and mm-hmm. then we make sense of that. Some of that, we're, we're uh, clairsentience, where we feel it in our bodies, or other times we may even uh, I know people that see things in terms of mathematical formulas or graphs, even that don't really come from i'm thinking about this it 's what what appears. some of us might hear a voice that speaks to us, so inside of that uh, one of the things that 's important is that we begin to see what is that what is the the, the lens and out of which we begin to, when we when we reach a deeper space and we begin to connect with other in a deeper space, what what comes out of that? How do we begin to order that in a sense? And when I mean order, I don't mean we go back to the rational self in speaking, but it may be, oh, there's an image that appears or a picture or a voice or a feeling in the body. And then we begin to uh, work with that and trust that. And um, all the way from, You know, you could say to a client, you know, I notice when you're talking about this that um, either, you know, I feel this gripping in my stomach. So I'm wondering, am I picking that up from you? So uh, in that way, we begin to learn these things. You know, when I did very early on in doing a lot of hands-on body work, I still do that. Uh, But when doing hands-on body work, there'd be a moment where I would, in in my touch, I would wonder if the person was there or not. Mm. And so I would ask, like I'm working on the feet, and I would say, are you still with me? And they'd go, oh, I just drifted off. And that way I began to see that, oh, I'm actually picking something up. Now how was I picking it up? So as I did that more and more, I realized that when they said that they were drifting off or they weren't there or thinking about something else, I realized I felt lonely. Now I'm very clear that they're not there so I won't feel lonely, but it was a way in which I self-experienced myself to going, oh, that's what's telling me that they're not there. I don't bring them back so I don't feel lonely, but I go, this is the ground we need to work with Then, Does that make sense when I say that? It uh, to- totally makes sense. Yeah, it's really clear, very clear. Yeah, so it's that place where we it's really um, incumbent upon us to begin to understand our process. And inside of that process is to um, going, oh, this is how I access or I receive or pick up uh, information or cues or the, the, the cares and concerns of the other person. Mm-hmm. And they may not be able to articulate it. I may not be able to articulate it, but it becomes the ground in which we go. Uh, that's our doorway to enter into.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, two things about that I'll say is that one is that, um, yes, we're, we're, we're moving away from what we've learned, our method- methodology, those kinds of things. And in the very beginning, we want to build a ground there. So I've seen a really a number of people who would say going into the helping professions or working with people in anything from managing or leading to being a coach or a therapist, they go, I want to go there first. And um, it's been my experience. What we do is we need to build a a ground, a very strong ground. So in one of my disciplines, the martial arts, for example, someone goes, you know, I want to learn how to protect myself. So how do I block something? And I will say, well, first of all, let's talk about how you need to stand or how you need to breathe or how you need to feel yourself while you're feeling your partner or opponent or whatever, whatever that is. So for most of us, that, that's a, a very important step to take, that we don't leap over that. We really, we really know how to cross our T's and dot our I's and be fully present. And then from being fully present, is then is then to let go mm. yeah i'm glad you say that because it's
1: like i i, I you know it, it seems important there's a level of rigor and and discipline and that's you know this isn't just kind of some fluffy flimsy kind of ideal but actually no it's built on it's built on this very solid ground that you talk about uh that, that there's like um lots of of experience that's been embodied and and then there's a very solid place from which there's a there can be a, a deeper surrender or perhaps deeper listening, um, a deeper opening to, to the unknown, you know, to being to being open to the unknown.
2: Yeah, this this piece of like you use the word rigor, which I I would hold to. Um, I think um, for the great majority of us that that's really important. To have a lot of people that you work with. Um, You know, this notion of dropping into a a deeper space, you can do that anytime in any conversations with the person at the checkout line at the market, for example, or when you're working with your children. You know, I I used to, when I put my kids to bed, I would go into that space and would that help us all relax more and let go into sleep. So there's wherever we are is the opportunity to begin to, to, to practice that, I believe. And I think that um, so inside of that r- rigor, there's also it's kind of rigor and wisdom. Huh? Mm-hmm. And that uh, we build that foundation, uh, really strong. And we see a number of different kinds of people in different places. So we have a vast point of experience. And then there can become a place in which we we um, have a different longing and that longing may come about because of a certain restlessness or something like that, but a place in which, um, uh, you know, we, we might even say, gee, I feel like I'm just impersonating myself Mm. and um, there has to be more than this, or I know that I can add more value here. And uh, I, I either feel stuck or I feel somewhat afraid that I'm going to step over boundaries here or something like that. And then it's that opportunity for us to rely on our practices, our teachers, our supervisors to go, no, there is this next step that moves us towards, towards mastery.
1: Mm. Well, because that brings up for me the – because I, I recognize some of this in my own um, experience where, um, you know, there's an element of risk which – um, is perhaps becomes more important you know there's a, there's a certain safety that starts to to and a familiarity in, in my in my rigor and my training and my coaching persona you know my professional persona and and it's a great thing but at the same time it can start to kill intimacy or or create distance you know and somehow there's um you know there's this there's a deepening yearning for risk like to, to, to not be reckless, but to, to, to dare to kind of, you know, to, to meet spontaneously or to, to, to open. And, um, it almost feels like that's where I can access my, like a level of, of mastery, you know, like the word I was thinking of was genius, but mastery, I think, you know, where there's a kind of, um, becoming a conduit or something like there's a, there's a kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a, um, I want to say cleanliness, but it's like there's less friction. Something's just coming through more freely, mm-hmm. and that 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 can have more impact. Like, um, so I don't know. How, yeah, how that?
2: No, I the, the the um I think really what we're talking about here is this notion that this space that we're calling source mm. are calling a a depthful knowing. Our, our deeper connection um, that number one is that it is something that is um, uh, indigenous to us. It's, it's, it's actually inside of us and that what we're looking at is how to um, reveal that. Now I think that also people become self-selected there because there's a number of people that um, what might see this um, uh, offering that you have and going, no, I have this good methodology. If I follow the methodology, it works. Mm. And it's just to interrupt to say, you're
1: referring to the coaching from source program. uh, Yes. Yeah. Later on this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Cool. And then there's those of us who have a certain kind of restlessness Mm. and we, we feel a certain urge or a longing that there is, I can only use the word more. There has to be more here. And the more, as um, I I accept would eclipse my I. So there can be less I and more of the more. And what my job is to do is to uh, open to that and to merge with that. It's actually, I think in many ways, it's a very kind of um, deeply felt love, a deeply felt love where we know that this thing that is animating me or this knowing that begins to come through is that I I can surrender to that because it it evokes a certain kind of love out of me and a love in which I want to connect with the other. Um, Even love like a sense of a greater architecture or a greater harmony. And that allows us to go, no, I can allow myself to sit at the end of the table now and to let this other flow of love and contact and connection to begin to move forward.
1: Well, I like that word because, um, you know, in a way we've been talking about um, a certain presence or deeper knowing or even like the, the mystery of, of, of who we are and, and it's um, and how that can somehow be uh, beyond our more kind sort of sometimes limited sense of of who we are, you know, maybe some people might say egoic sense of I and um, and um, you know, in my spiritual training and stuff and, and and history, like there was often an emphasis on like there is no self, you know, there there isn't anything here, and I think that's a very powerful perspective, mm. and. It's also, um, there's something that, that, that it, as I've, like, grown, I feel like there is also something which can um, come through me uniquely in some way, you know, that is my contribution in some way that isn't, like, limited in an ego, you know, in the the way that some of these traditions talk about it. And there is an expression of love, but it has a kind of almost uniqueness through through me. And so when you talk about love, that's what comes up for me, that there's... Mm-hmm. There's, there's like, it somehow connects, like, that that um, transcendent perspective, but also, uh, like, that we are
2: we're human beings as well at the same time. It makes me think of the, the 13th century Zen priest and writer, poet, Dogen. Mm. And he said to, to be on the way, to be on a path, is to study the self. And to study the self is to forget the self and to forget the self is to be one with all things. Now, that's my paraphrase, but uh, I think that that really uh, is a very lucid and, and concise description of this kind of path. Yes, we want to be on a path of awakening, and on this path of awakening, we want to see how we can serve others, and what that requires is we study who who am I, who am I? And once we get very deep into that, Um, we might, uh, he used the, it was translated, forget the self. But we see that, oh, there's something even more than the self or beyond the self. Or as we look at the self, we might say, in some traditions, it's it's empty. And then from there, we begin to feel and be with the the connection of the 10,000 things or the connection with all of life. And so if that happens... Without this sounding um, uh, overwrought, is that what we can allow to come through? Is that level of life, that level of connection? And of course, then um, we have to do our own personal work to go. Do I have the shape, or the form, or the being to be able to allow that that level of energy to come through me? Mm. Yeah. And I think that so these are very much coupled with that we continue to do our own personal work. We just don't do this and go, oh, I can tap into it because um, inevitably this whole notion of then I have to let go of some things. I'm going to cut some things away. Um, I'm going to empty these things out of my pack. And inevitably for many of us that that we have to face into a certain sense of loss Mm -hmm. or even grief and a certain sense of um, suffering. You know, we know from many cultural anthropologists that in pre-industrial, pre-industrialized societies it is that when the young men and women went through their initiation phase, it always included some level of pain or suffering. Mm. Always. And that um, I'm not trying to sell pain or suffering here, but at least we become aware of that for ourselves, and be going, oh, this this part of my life is complete now. This is ending. I'm moving from childhood into adolescence, into young adulthood, into adulthood. And in order to do that, these conversations, um, these practices, these habits, these behaviors um, are no longer useful. And um, I think that we just don't drop those and then move ahead. We allow ourselves to feel the deep emotions that come from that kind of transition Mm-hmm. So that, uh that to understand the pro- our own suffering helps us understand the process of healing through through suffering and and to have compassion for others suffering too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah um well you know that that i think is important because um you know, it, it for me adds a sort of this perspective around our own growth that it's not all kind of, um, you know, it's not all kind of sweetness and light and ever increasing degrees of freedom. Like that, that there is a sort of side of, of, yes, we're growing, we're getting more freedom, but yeah, that there's loss along the way. And, um, you know, like I'm just thinking of my own experience where I, I don't know, like a, 18 months, a couple of years ago, this sense of, um, um, losing, uh, not tr- quite trusting that I could control life in the way that I thought I could. You know, mm. that I could control things, and that mm. um, that I could make things happen through will. Uh, and 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 like that was pretty scary to open to that. You know, that actually there was something else going on. You know, um, and the loss of you know coming to terms with that loss of of that part of me that thought you know through through will through effort I can control the world and build my life. And there is some. There's a kernel of truth to that. But anyway, it was, um, yeah. So I'm just thinking that's what comes up as you share.
2: I, I, I think that's really a beautiful distinction. You know, what occurred to me is that, you know, the, the end of will. Now uh, Do we still have volition and will? Yes. Um, and there's a place that, um, uh, regarding to what you said, that I can relate to in the sense that, I realize, like, oh, my will is limited, and um, and that means that if I keep moving down that path, uh, does it show that? Does it continually reveal my own limitations? So maybe I can be okay with that. And what does that open for something more? And I think that's really the conversation we're we're, we're looking at here: is if we if we put. Our tips, our techniques, our moves, our waza, um, aside, um, waza is a Japanese word for for our training thing. I think you know some Japanese. Uh, mm. Is that um, that uh, it means that we're asking them what, what will be born out of that. Mm. It's an end of something, but not the end of a
1: livingness. huh? And- I, I like. I just want to kind of bring this conversation to a, to a conclusion by, you know, for people listening in. You know, you mentioned there might be two people, uh, some people who are like really feeling a yearning for something, something else in their coaching, and then there's others who are just really happy with their training and tools. And but um, but I, I want to kind of bring it back to like maybe those people you know who are like. Um, you know, that that is, this is practical what we're talking about too, you know, we're talking about some pretty deep topics, you know, but it's, um, but coming back to how this can show up as, as, um, in through us, through our beingness and the way we can, um, love the, the coaching client that we're with and, um, sense into them and also invite in new possibilities. So, Um, I just want to kind of bring that perspective back in, you know, that there's something very practical about what we're talking about.
2: Very, very practical. Uh, I I consider myself a very practical and pragmatic person. And um, what we're doing, I think, is searching for certain kinds of language to describe something that isn't conventional or customary. And in doing that, it can kind of sound like maybe it's a little bit floaty or a little bit without legs. But in fact, I think that it's 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 our birthright. It really is our legacy. So this notion of intuition, or connecting to source, or allowing something to come through us is really um, uh, where 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 the human, where the center of the human being is, and that um, modern life, in many ways, has begun to build a shield or a filter around those things. So it really is a, I think, a returning. I've used the word a revealing of what's already there and very practical, direct, and immediate to take care of concerns.
1: Well, what would you recommend to people listening? You know, um, um, uh, is there something you would recommend if you're interested in this? Uh, you know, like start practicing something, or, or this is what you can look out for or do before you coach? And yeah.
2: Well, what's been very what's been um, instrumental and constitutive to, to my path is having a long-term practice, and um, I think that there's probably a number of ways, but this is my this is my center of gravity, and um, one long-term practice has been the practice of meditation, which I still do, and that um, this allows us to go deeper and deeper into the well, and to um, uh, at, either daily ba- at, at a daily basis to go, oh, what is, what is moving through me now? How do I collect myself? How do I disperse myself? How do I focus myself? What are the concerns that are coming up that are just habitual? And what are they that have to do with this time in my life? Um, the other practice is a practice that is done like in a partner practice, where you're standing and you're moving with somebody and standing and moving with somebody requires then that you're not just fundamentally looking at your own process, mind, body, spirit, somatic process, but that you're connected to that while you're, you're attending to another, either if it's in a martial art form that they're coming at you with a, an attack, whether it could be like a Tai Chi form where there's not going to be an attack, but a practice of really unifying your Qigong, a unifying practice with somebody and, and um, it could be uh, flim- uh, dancing it could be Samba mm. who knows, but you're always getting that reflection back and forth. And in that reflection, you begin to build on something. You begin to kind of excavate that space that has filled this source and that you allow that for you to just become the music, become the dance, become your opponent. Mm. Oh yeah <laughs> great great well i um this is a great place to to
1: kind of begin to bring things to a close i think so um, um, I just want to thank you for um, for the conversation today it's been so rich
2: yeah you too joel i i um, you know for me it's heartening that um, you know we've been uh, i've been part of your programs for for some years now, mm. and this really feels like a um, uh, uh, a natural in a logical ordering of what's next, mm. um, both in your programs and and I think that it's all of us to look at it. what stage is, is coaching now at what stage are we at with coaching and, and uh, has it moved out of childhood and is it moving out of adolescent stage and um, and inside of that, how do we um, uh, connect with this this larger field? that we're proposing here. So this this conversation, this piece that you're doing now seems very, very timely.
1: I totally concur with that. You know, it's something I was sensing in the field, talking to people and everyone I've been talking to about it has been like, you know, totally excited about it. And, um, you know, I do feel like it's, it's the field is ready for this conversation more explicitly or that it's of the times, you know, especially when we look at uh you know uh everything that's going on in the world all the opportunities but all the crises we're facing you know and the intensity of change and i think it's it's evoking uh even more intensely um a connection to to some of these uh the, to this part of us that we've been exploring today so um yeah yeah i i agree so